Chapter Forty Four of Nobody. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Monica Raleigh. Nobody by Susan Warner. Chapter Forty Four. Choosing a Wife she did not open her bible to go on with the investigation mr dillwyn had broken off now that he had just been with her in proper person an instinct of scared modesty fled from the question whether or not he were a man whom a christian woman might marry what was it to her lois said to herself what did it concern her whether such a marriage were permissible or no such a question would never come to her for decision to match perhaps but now the other question did ask for consideration why she winched at the idea that it might come to madge madge did not share her sister's scruple madge had not made the promise lois had made if mr dillwyn asked her she would accept him lois had little doubt perhaps he would ask her and why why did lois wish he would not for she perceived that the idea gave her pain why should it give her pain for herself the thing was a fixed fact whatever the bible said and she knew pretty well what it said for her such a marriage was an impossibility and why should she think about it at all nobody else was thinking about it fra angelico's angel came back to her mind the clear unshadowed eyes the pure glad face the separateness from all earth's passions or pleasures the lofty exaltation above them so ought she to be and then while this thought was warmest came shutting it out the image of mr dillwyn at the music party what he was doing there how he would look and speak how madge would enjoy his attentions and everything and lois suddenly felt as if she herself were very much alone not merely alone now to-night she had chosen this and liked it did she like it not now but all through her life it suddenly seemed to lois as if she were henceforth to be always alone madge would no doubt marry somebody and there was no home and nobody to make home for lois she had never thought of it before but now she seemed to see it all quite clearly mrs barclay's work had been to separate her in a certain way from her family and her surroundings they fitted together no longer lois knew what they did not know she had tastes which they did not share but which now were become part of her being the society in which she had moved all her life till two years or three years ago could no longer content her it was not inanimate nature her garden her spade and her wheelbarrow that seemed distasteful lois could have gone into that work again with all her heart and thought it no hardship it was the mental level at which the people lived the social level in houses tables dress and amusements and manner the aesthetic level of beauty and grace and fitness or at least the perception of them lois pondered and revolved this all till she began to grow rather dreary think of the easterbroke school and of being alone there rough rude coarse boys and girls untaught untamed ungovernable except by an uncommon exertion of wisdom and will long days of hard labour nights of common food and sleep with no delicate arrangements for either and social refreshment utterly out of the question and madge away married perhaps and travelling in europe and seeing fra angelico's paintings 
Then the angel's face recurred to Lois, and she pulled herself up. The angel's face and the painter's history both confronted her. On one hand, the seraphic purity and joy of a creature who knew no will but God's will. On the other hand, the quiet, patient life which had borne such fruits. Four hundred years ago, Fra Angelico's painted, and ever since his work had been bearing witness to God's truth and salvation, was even at that minute teaching and admonishing herself what did it signify just how her own work should be done if only it were like work what matter whether rough or smooth alone or in company where the service is to be done there the master puts his servant what the service is he knows for the servant all that he has to take care of is that step by step he follow where he is led and everywhere and by all means in his power that he show forth christ to man and something like that angel's security would be with him all the way, and something like that angel's joys be at the end of it. The little picture had helped and comforted Lois amazingly, and she went to bed with a heart humbled and almost contented. She went, however, in good time before Madge could return home. She did not want to hear the outflow of description and expatiation which might be expected and madge indeed found her so seemingly sleepy that she was forced to give up talking and come to bed too but all lois gained was a respite next morning as soon as they were awake madge began lois we had a great time last night you were so stupidly asleep when i came home i couldn't tell you we had a beautiful time oh lois mrs burridge's house is just magnificent i suppose so the floors are all laid in patterns of different coloured woods a sort of mosaic parquetry what i call it mosaic with centre-pieces and borders oh elegant and they are smooth and polished and then carpets and rugs of all sorts are laid about and it's most beautiful she has got one of those persian carpets she was telling about lois i dare say and the walls are all great mirrors or else there is the richest sort of drapery curtains or hangings and the prettiest painted walls and alloys the flowers where were they everywhere on tables and little shelves on the wall brackets oh well shelves they are call them what you like and stands of plants and pots of plants the whole place was sweet with the smell and green with the leaves and brilliant with the flowers seems to have been brilliant generally so it was just brilliant with all that and with the lights and with the people were the people brilliant too and the playing oh the playing everybody said so it wasn't like mrs barclay's playing what was it like it looked like very hard work to me my dear i saw the drops of sweat standing on one man's forehead he had been playing a pretty long piece madge added by way of accounting for things i never saw anything like it in all my life like what sweat on the men's forehead like the playing don't be ridiculous it is not i said lois who meanwhile had risen and was getting dressed madge was doing the same talking all the while so the playing was something to be seen what was the singing madge stood still comb in hand i don't know she said gravely lois could not help laughing well i don't know madge went on it was so queer some of it i did not know which way to look some of it was regular yelling lois 
and if people are going to yell i'd rather have it out of doors but one man i think he thought he was doing it remarkably well the goings up and down of his voice cadences well the cadences if you choose they made me think of nothing but the tones of the lions and other beasts in the menagerie don't you know how they roar up and down first softly and then loud i had everything in the world to do not to laugh out downright he was singing something meant to be very pathetic and it was absolutely killing it was not all like that i suppose no there was some i liked but nothing one half so good as your singing a hymn lois i wish you could have been there to give them one only you could sing a hymn in such a place why not why because it would be out of place i would not go anywhere where a hymn would be out of place that's nonsense but oh how the people were dressed lois brilliant oh you may well say so it took away my breath at first you got it again i hope yes but oh lois it is nice to have plenty of money well yes and it is nice not to have it if the lord makes it so makes what so you are very unsympathetic this morning lois but if you had only been there oh lois there were one or two fur rugs fur skins for rugs the most beautiful things i ever saw one was a leopard skin with its beautiful spots the other was white and thick and fluffy i couldn't find out what it was bear maybe bear oh lois those two skins finished me i kept my head for a while with all the mosaic floors and rich hangings and flowers and dresses but those two skins took away the little sense i had left they looked so magnificent so luxurious they are luxurious no doubt lois i don't see why some people should have so much and others so little the same sort of question that puzzled david once why should mrs burridge have all that and you and i have only yellow painted floors and rag carpets i don't want all that don't you no i do madge those things do not make people happy it's all very well to say that lois i should like just to try once how do you like mrs burridge madge hesitated a trifle she's pleasant pretty and clever and lively she went flying about among the people like a butterfly stopping a minute here and a minute there but i guess it was not to get honey but to give it she was a little honeyfied to me but not much i don't think she liked to see her brother making much of me lois was silent he was there i didn't tell you he came a little late he said he had been here and as he didn't find us he came on to his sister's he was here a little while so he said but he was so good lois he was very good he talked to me and told me about things and took care of me and gave me supper i tell you i thought madam his sister looked a little askance at him once or twice i know she tried to get him away lois again made no answer why should she lois maybe you were mistaken i don't think i was mistaken but why should she lois madge dear you know what i told you about what about that people's feelings you and i do not belong to this gay rich world we are not rich and we are not fashionable and we do not live as they live in any way and they do not want us why should they we should not hurt them said madge indignantly nor be of any use or pleasure to them there isn't a girl among them all to compare with you as far as looks goes i'm afraid that will not help the matter said lois smiling 
but then she added with earnest and almost anxious eagerness madge dear don't think about it happiness is not there and what god gives us is best best for you and best for me don't you wish for riches or for anything we haven't got what we have to do is to live so as to show forth christ and his truth before men very few do that said madge shortly let us be some of the few i'd like to do it in high places then said madge oh you needn't talk lois it's a great deal nicer to have a leopard skin under your feet than a rag carpet lois could not help smiling though something like tears was gathering and i'd rather have mr dillwyn take care of me than uncle tim hotchkiss the laughter and the tears came both more unmistakably lois felt a little hysterical she finished dressing hurriedly and heard as little as possible of madge's further communications it was a few hours later that same morning that philip dillwyn strolled into his sister's breakfast-room it was a room at the back of the house the end of a suite and from it the eye roved through half-drawn portieres and between rows of pillars along a vista of the parqueted floors madge had described her sister catching her the glitter of gold from a picture frame and there a gleam of white from a marble figure through the half-light which reigned there in the breakfast-room it was bright day and mrs burridge was finishing her chocolate and playing with bits of dry toast when her brother came in philip had hardly exchanged greetings and taken his seat when his attention was claimed by mrs burridge's young son and heir who forthwith thrust himself between his uncle's knees a bat in one hand and worsted ball in the other uncle phil mamma says her name used to be burridge it was your name that is correct and if it was your name once why isn't it your name now because she changed it and became burridge what made her be burridge that is a deep question in mental philosophy which i am unable to answer chantry she says it's because she married papa does not your mother generally speak truth young philip Conchry seemed to consider this question and finally waving it went on pulling at the button of his uncle's coat in the energy of his inquiries uncle phil you haven't got a wife no why haven't you an old cookery book says first catch your hair must you catch your wife i suppose so how do you catch her but the answer to this most serious inquiry was met by such a burst of laughter on the part of both the older persons in the room that phil had to wait nothing daunted however returned to the charge uncle phil if you had a wife what would her name be if ever i have one chancery her name will be but here the speaker had very nearly in his abstraction brought out a name that would to say the least have astonished her sister he caught himself up just in time and laughed if ever i have one her name will be mine i did not know last night but you had chosen the lady to whom you intended to do so much honour his sister observed coolly looking at him across her chocolate cup or who i hope would do me so much honour what did you think of my supposed choice he asked with equal coolness what could i think except that you were like all other men distraught for a pretty face one might do worse observed philip in the same tone while that of his sisters grew warmer some man but not you philip what disguises me from the mass you are too old to be made a fool of old enough to be wise certainly 
and you are too fastidious to be satisfied with anything short of perfection and then you fill too high a position in the world to marry a girl who is nobody so said philip using which is always vexed his sister to have him do the half questioning half admiring wholly untractable german expression then the person alluded to seemed to you something short of perfection she is handsome returned her sister she has a very handsome face anybody can see that but that does not make her your equal humph you suppose i can find that rare bird my equal do you not there what's the matter with her she's simply nobody seems to say a good deal responded philip i do not know just what it says you know as well as i do and she's unformed unused to all the ways of the world a mere novice in society part of that is soon mended said philip easily i heard your uncle or burridge's uncle old colonel chantry last night declaring that there is not a girl in the city that has such manners as one of the miss lothrop's manners of mingled grace and dignity he said that was the other one she has been in new york before yes that was the one that tom carusas was bewitched with have you heard that story said mr dillwyn dryly why shouldn't i hear it no reason that i know it is one of the ways of the world you refer to to tell everything of everybody especially it is not true isn't that story true it has no inherent improbability tom is open to influences and he stopped i know it is true for mrs caruthers told me herself poor tom it was very good for him that the thing was put an end to but you you should fly a higher game than tom caruthers can strike philip thank you there was no occasion for your special fear last night i'm in no danger there but i know a man jesse a man i think much of too who is very much drawn to one of those ladies he has confessed as much to me what advice shall i give him he is a man that can please himself he has abundant means and no ties to encumber him does he hold as high a position as you quite and may pretend to as much he is not a man of pretensions but taking your words as they mean i should say yes is it any use to offer him advice i think he generally hears mine and he is not too far gone in something ah well philip tell him to think what he is doing oh i have put that before him he would make himself a great goose perhaps i ought to have some arguments wherewith to substantiate that prophecy he can see the whole for himself let him think of the fitness of things imagine such a girl set to preside over his house a house like this for instance imagine her helping him receive his guests sitting at the head of his table fancy it a girl who has been accustomed to sanded floors perhaps and paper window shades and who has fed on pumpkins and pork all her life mr dillwyn smiled as his eye roved over what of his sister's house was visible from where he sat and he remembered the meal-times in shampooashoe he smiled but his eye had more thought in it than mrs burridge liked she was watching him i cannot tell what sort of a house is in question in the present case he said at length perhaps it would not be a house like this it ought to be a house like this isn't that an open question no i'm supposing that this man your friend do i know him do you not know everybody 
but i have no permission to disclose his name and i do not care for it if he is going to make a mesalliance a marriage beneath him such marriages turn out miserable a woman not fit for society drags her husband out of it a woman who has not refined tastes makes him gradually coarse a woman with no connections keeps him from rising in life if she is without education she lets all the best part of him go to waste in short if he marries a nobody he becomes nobody too parts with all his antecedents and buries all his advantages it's social ruin philip it is just ruin if this man only does not prefer the bliss of ruining himself said her brother rising and lightly stretching himself mrs burridge looked at him keenly and doubtfully there is no greater mistake a man can make than to marry beneath him she went on yes i think that too it sinks him below his level it is a weight round his neck people afterwards when he is mentioned say he married such a one you know and didn't he marry unfortunately he's like depreciated coin it kills him philip politically and fashionably oh fashionably of course what's left to a man when he ceases to be fashionable well of course he chooses a new set of associates but if tom caruthers had married as you say he wanted to marry his wife would have come at once into his circle and made one of it provided she could hold the place of that i have no doubt it was a great gain to tom that he missed the world has odd balances to weigh loss and gain said philip why philip in addition to everything else these girls are religious not after reasonable fashion you know but puritanical prejudiced and narrow and stiff how do you know all that from that one's talk last night and from mrs wishett did she say they were prejudiced? oh yes they are stiff about dancing and cards and i had nearly laughed last night at the way miss what's her name opened her eyes at me when i spoke of the theatre she does not know what the theatre is said philip she thinks she does she does not know the half philip said mrs burridge servantly discontently you are not agreeing with me not entirely sister you are as fond of the theatre of the opera as anybody i know i never saw a decent opera in my life philip nor did you how ridiculous you have been going to the opera all your life and the theatre too in half a dozen different countries therefore i claim to know of what i speak and if i had a wife he paused his thoughts made two or three leaps the vision of lois sweet pure dignity came before him and words were wanting what if you had a wife asked his sister impatiently i would rather she would be anything but a fast woman she needn't be fast but she needn't be precise either there was something in philip's air or his silence which provoked mrs burridge she went on with some heat and defiantly i have no objection to religion in a proper way i always teach chantry to make the responses make them yourself of course do you mean them mean them yes do you mean what you say when you have said lord have mercy upon us miserable sinners did you feel guilty or miserable miserable yes did you feel miserable philip i have no idea what you are driving at unless you are defending these two precise puritanical young countrywomen a little of that he said smiling and a little of something else he had risen as if to go his sister looked at him vexed and uncertain she was proud of her brother she admired him as almost people did who knew mr dillwyn 
suddenly she changed her tactics rose up and coming to him laid both her hands on his shoulders so that she could raise herself up to kiss him don't you go and be foolish she said you will forgive your friend philip but i will not forgive you End of chapter 44 Recording by Monica Raleigh